That's what I said. Hello, love. The cavalry's here. <laughs> but I said it in a cheeky uh, sort of like young Cockney woman's voice, and as a result, I'm the mascot of a, a large loot box-based gaming franchise. Oh, very nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm doing all right, really, in a way, in a way, in the age of isolation. Oh, uh, isolation oh, and whiskey. What are you? Is that Recorderlig? Is it Recorderlig? It's Lefroig. I thought it was a Recorderlig. What's Recorderlig again? It's a cider. Oh, well, there you go. Oh, Lefroig. Bloody hell, select Scotch whiskey. Well, I shall oh. join you. I shall join you in a filth beverage. Listen to this. Listen to the majesty of this. You ready? You ready? Oh. Oh, 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 that's a can. Oh, it is. That's and it's not can. beer. It's not beer, I'm afraid. It's, it's Coke. <laughs> mine is a mine is a bottled whiskey. Listen to the listen to the, the, the cork. Oof. Oh, proper cork and everything. Boys and girls, welcome to the first ASMR edition of the Big Town Cast. Yes. It's our third isolation special, and we're already down to making sounds that are for sexual reasons we swear youtube guidelines listen, um listen to the pole oh oh come into on this, into this self into this uh custom glass that i got for my birthday oh my god what i love about that is everyone listening to that right now is like oh he's a classy broad he's got his whiskey nope. out he's pouring it into a custom glass and what they can't see is what i can see which is the face of optimus prime on the glass it's a beautiful face it wasn't a request it was made for me but without I, my knowledge but i don't think that john pertwee would be supping that in someone's manner at the start of uh is it day of the daleks where he's just eating the guy's grapes and drinking his wine eating cheese yeah, yeah. he's just like mm, i don't give a shit I'm, I'm sitting here and i'm gonna eat this joe bring me some wine yeah it's very agreeable sardonic a touch sardonic perhaps <laughs> yeah um harun, harun, harun. The daleks fairly recently it's quite good his pants. Did you watch? Quite good. Did you watch it with the bonus effects, i.e., the like four no. added Daleks and Nick Briggs dubbing everyone? No, because I wasn't watching the DVD. I was watching it off my Plex server, and when I ripped it, I only ripped the transmission version. I didn't. I didn't rip the new effects version. As one should. Mm. What did we watch the other day? And it offered new effects. Oh, that was it. Um, the Invasion of Time. It offered uh, CG effects as a bonus feature. How could you possibly improve on the invasion of time? <laughs> Do you have three hours free? Because I've got uh, some ideas. Maybe. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting here in my little blanket fort in the middle of the kitchen. You are. Trying to get better sound. I am, I'm determined so, to keep this episode to at least I, a minimum of an hour just so you don't if, overheat in there. If I could stay, I'll be fine. It's only a little light. That's currently the professional setup. My friend Lauren, um, mm. who the listeners might know if they know me from CBBC stuff, Lauren Layfield, she does early, early mornings on Capital FM, um, like the pre-breakfast breakfast show. And oh, is she able to broadcast from home? Uh, she's done a couple from studio and a couple from home a week for the last couple of weeks. Oh, okay. Um, and when she's been doing it from home, she's been making like a blanket fort in the living room. <laughs> yeah. Just crouching down really low to the floor near the microphone. Um as she said on her social media the other day, uh, it, it gave Nana neck ache. So, uh, <laughs> it's basically World War Three, is what I'm yeah. getting at. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Everything is, everything is awful. Oh, considering uh, we're like three and four minutes in, we should probably introduce ourselves. But let's use our, our newfound christened apocalypse names. Okay. Okay. Uh, hi, everybody. Welcome to the Big Damn Cast. Uh, nerdy things and 
geeky uh, sort of uh, like observations all things fit to keep you alive for the next two weeks as we enter into the end of days i'm christopher <laughs> iron johnson i am the pork rancher <laughs> oh my god that's oh i'm giving it some thought what's your weapon of choice is it like a is it like a, a preheated skewer like, no, it's um. You carry a fire in your bag at all times, and you just take the skewer out and sear the um, flesh. It's a small hatchet that I've lit on fire. Oh, like Jason. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> think he's actually using a hatchet, but I'll, I'll, I've got more to tell you about about Friday the Thirteenth. You will speak on, sir. I have, I have watched four more Friday the Thirteenth <gasps> since last we spoke. That's nearly thirteen. That's nearly all of them. <laughs> My God. I've got uh, three left. Oh God! Not just that. We're also going to chat a little bit about the uh, the Doctor Who watchalongs that have been going on and the the new the new stories bookending the events of Rose, which have happened. yeah, I've not checked all these out, so they're, this will be interesting. They're very it's cool. all all of that is news to me, so I'm looking forward to talking about that. New who's to you? <laughs> indeed, indeed. And also, uh, as promised, since last week, I've got around to watching a certain film uh, mm. about a boy with superpowers growing up on a farm with his lovable mom and dad, learning that he can fly and shoot lasers from his eyes, and what's he going to do with all this great power? But it's a horror film. Um, no, yeah, nothing good. I cannot wait to talk in a bright bird. Good God. Well, we'll do that first. I'll tuck into it no. with a wide open jaw. We'll do the Doctor Who stuff first. Oh, meat. Because it's the closest thing to news we've got. <laughs> That's true. Wonderful Emily Cook from Doctor Who magazine has been uh, spearheading haha, these watch-alongs, uh, which have now... Oh, spearhead the next me. one. Spearhead no, the next one. Spearhead the they're next all one. Mod- they're all modern Who, but I think that's yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, Modern Who's more readily available on various services and they want as many people as yeah. possible to, to watch along. Because um, yeah. I mean... You'd expect everyone to be able to get classic Who, because I mean, everyone got BritBox, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, Well, the best part about these watchlongs so far is they've been sort of pirate ones, like knockoff ones happening at the same time. Um, BBC America obviously saw, here's a great way for people to like use our player and and go on Amazon Prime and, and replay recent episodes and stuff. Uh, and as we're recording this, uh, it's called Spymaster is is an event that BBC America's uh, Twitter are hosting where uh, people are watching Spyfall Parts 1 and 2 together. And fair enough, but it just seems a little knockoffy that no other kind of TV shows are doing it, but other Doctor Who Twitter accounts are going, let's, let's get in on this. And it's like, um, part of the magic of this is that just like someone who works for the mag suggested it and it's become a thing and writers and actors are coming back to participate and that's kind of why it's magical i don't want to say that certain areas of the doctor who fandom lack imagination (laughs) but certain areas of the doctor who fandom do lack imagination now to its credit sasha dewan 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 and man dip girl have been live tweeting (laughs) (laughs) they've been live tweeting alongside it um so yay good on them uh but also last night as of this recording there was a class rewatch of the pilot oh, episode and no. <clears throat> several of the actors from it uh oh, tweeted along no. some even joined twitter just for the occasion why 
Why would you do that? I will say this. If it made the people involved happy during the 45, 50 minutes they spent doing it, great. Good on them. But it had a very, very small participation rate compared to any other watch-alongs I've seen. You know uh, why? Because class is shit. Yeah. But it's on iPlayer, Matt, so it might discover a whole new audience. <laughs> I mean, it's got to discover an original audience. <clears throat> That's true. A new That's one. true. Oh, God. Well, as 15 the... people does not an audience make. <laughs> but as for the Doctor Who one, uh, when we last spoke... And we'd know. Dave... <laughs> That's that's what, what I didn't tell you is that all the people tweeting about it were just the four or five cast members that joined. Oh it. yeah, okay. No. Okay. When we last spoke, Day the Doctor had had a live tweet along. Stephen, um, uh, Herogenous uh, Bartholomew Moffat joined, rejoined Twitter to uh, partake in the banter. Um, Hieronymus Bosch. <laughs> Hieronymus Bosch. Ooh. Um, Stephen Custerberus Moffat. And uh, this past week, uh, Rose, on, on Thursday the 26th, Rose, Rose, uh, was the topic to celebrate its 15th anniversary. Because if we're all so currently old. hurtling toward our graves, so we may as well old. be reminded of how quickly the journey has, ta- has oh, been. Oh, God. Um, but amazing things happened. Russell the Davies joined Twitter... Just to tweet along with it. Uh, And he's leaving the account up for posterity. So if you want to see what he said about it all, it's uh, Russell... uh, I think it's just Russell Davies 63. Because on Twitter he's Russell T Davies 63. I think it's just Russell Davies 63. But if you Mm. search hashtag hashtag lockdown who, you'll find it. Or hashtag um, journey... uh, No, hashtag trip of a lifetime, which was the hashtag Mm -hmm. for that one. Um... What's great about Rose is it came with a bookmark, a bookend, rather. Uh, in the hours before the broadcast, the simulcast, he released a never-before-seen uh, three-page short story um, that was meant to be published in the Doctor Who magazine 50th anniversary issue for the show. Because he was asked to contribute, and he was like, oh, tell you what, hey, this will be fun. Why don't I give everyone the last moments of the eighth doctor's last story and we can pretend it's like a target novel that's been lost and we've found <laughs> the, the three the last three pages <clears throat> and lee binding created a fake target cover for it and it's called doctor who and the time war and um richard atkins used to work for dwm lovely man he was our he was basically our like caretaker when we were doing yep. time team he uh he helped put together the look for it so it's in like target novel style pages and the idea of it was going to be that this book has fallen through a vortex uh, and they don't know where the rest of it went, but they found the last three pages and here it is published in Doctor Who magazine to celebrate the 50th anniversary. And it was Russell going, oh, sod it. Here's the regeneration from eight into nine. Yay. And then Stephen heard about it and went, uh, Russell, is there any chance you can maybe not do that? Exactly. Maybe not. Could you just, no. And it was already written, and the graphics were already done. <clears throat> the magazine lot all signed off on it, but obviously there's still a level of secrecy between production and the magazine yeah, guys yeah. based on certain things. Uh, Doctor magazine, The Doctor magazine team tend to find out a lot more about what's going on behind the scenes of the show before anyone else does, but only when it's like right up to the minute of when they're allowed to, you know, allowed to know, and then there they yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And in this instance, they were obviously working on putting the 50th anniversary issue together from like the start of 2013. And early 2013, Stephen says to Russell, could you maybe not 
And he says, why? And he says, because not only do I show who regenerates into nine, uh, it is an eight. Uh, uh, you, there's an extra doctor. Russell was like, oh, marvelous, but also, uh, <laughs> as he, as he, I imagine dragged the file toward the the trash bin on his desktop, and then went, I'll put it to one side, <laughs> <clears throat> so we can now read it. Uh, <clears throat> it's on the Doctor Who website. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm gonna cough again. <clears throat> this is how I die. I'm not editing all these out, by the way. I really can't be bothered. I don't. I don't want you to. I want people to hear my decline. Um, <laughs> We're all sick, people. I'm not sick. You're you're sick in the head. You're sick in the head, boy. Sick in the head. I don't know who, who this character is, but he's not in. He's not in the Time War. Um, not in Doctor Who in the Time War. Um, so, without saying too much, because it's worth a read. It's the final moments of the Time War. Russell obviously foresaw a bit about what Stephen picked up on. Because the, the you know the moment was always mentioned throughout Russell's years, but he was yeah. never mentioned as an object. It was referring to the moment it all came to an end. Um, and Stephen imagined that in Today of the Doctor as a weapon. The moment is a weapon with a conscience. Um, turns out Russell was thinking of that as well because the moment is something that the Doctor triggers. You hear about some of the most horrific um, acts that the 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 Time Lords do to fight back against the Daleks and the, the retaliation the Daleks have against it. Yeah, I love all the I love all the flavor text that that, oh. that Russell wrote throughout the years mm. of his his years on the show of like stuff that happened in the Time War that's just referred to in sort of mythical context and never really explored. There's plenty I thought of that, that was really cool. There's plenty of that, but then the actual yeah. the actual stuff he does describe is so like monumental in scale. Like I'll mention one thing. One thing is that the Time Lord like the Doctor is in an area surrounded by the floating debris of a thousand Earths. Because the Oh yeah, I saw this little bit on Twitter, I think. Because the Time Lords have been like recreating like cloning Earth and Gallifrey and Scaro again and again and firing it at the Dalek fleet. Planet bullets. Planet bullets. The fuck. One of them apparently nearly blinded the nightmare child. So you're just sort of like I think I know what that means. I've heard of the jaws of the Nightmare Child, so I'm guessing gr- it's a beast of some kind, but... The great thing is, you don't have to know <clears throat> what it means. You just have to know it was fucking awesome. It was awesome. And as it passes, uh, his body... Because he never explicitly calls him the Eighth Doctor, but it's it's the cover of the Target novel that's been mocked up as of the Eighth Doctor. So, um the uh and apparently there's two versions originally it had the younger eighth doctor on it and then close to the time lee binding changed it to the night of the doctor one because he thought maybe we'll publish this at some point it was like nah it's not happening um but ah well uh and and the way they regenerate is wonderful because uh you don't you don't know their last words you don't know them you don't know what they mean uh it even but it opens it up on purpose for you to fill in that void because no matter whatever he, he essentially says within the text whatever they write will never match how big you want it to be and it's like yeah that's a point um there's also uh, mention, Chris, mentions of a what she about the- this person who apparently like knew about his new life and it's like who's this that so he even like adds more threads it's what great. about the continuity fuck it um <laughs> Fire planet bullets at it. But, yeah. But not just that. After the episode went out and Russell had given us lots of lovely tidbits and a couple of other actors had chimed in here and there, like Billy Piper put an Instagram post out after the fact saying, I'm really sorry I missed all this tonight, but, you know, I'm, I owe a lot to this show and I miss Rose Tyler every day. And it was like, oh my God, this is so sweet. 
Russell released the sequel called Revenge of the Nestine. <clears throat> now, the sequel is contextualised as an extra chapter to the Target novelization of Rose. <laughs> it's not from the book, but it's 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 fit it's set in that version of events. Yeah. Um, as as sort of uh, highlighted by the fact that the Nestine just about survives by slithering out of what remains of it out of its pit into the nearest near complete auton body as the as the cavern the cavernous uh, tunnels are are exploding and falling apart. Oh. And the nearest Auton body is one of the Autons that was stationed as a living statue along the Thames. Because in the book, when the Doctor and Rose make it from the TARDIS to the London Eye and, and the hatch, um, the living statues along that stretch of the South, the South Bank's full of people, and the living statues along that stretch all stop what they're doing, watch them and start to follow them and walk through the crowd. So you realise that, oh shit, they're Autons as well. Uh, one of which is a, um, is it a, is it a Pagli, what's it, what they're called? A Piero. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Piero clown. Uh, yeah. A creepy-ass clown. Uh, half its head is missing, like, right Ooh. down the middle. But it's the only near-full-bodied one that the Nestine, re- the remaining sliver of the Nestine can find. So it sort of hibernates inside the Piero and then starts, like, hobbling across the bridge toward Parliament. Um, again, I'm not spoiling much by telling you these certain points because it's all in the text, and this is about uh, seven pages long. Yeah, uh, you can also enjoy it on YouTube because it was released on a YouTube channel, uh, being narrated by uh, big Finnish alumni Jake Dudman. Jacob Dudman mm. has done a, a reading of it. Um, <clears throat> it's great because it's sort of in this Russell contextualizes it that this Nestine may or may not start the spark that leads to the alliance uh, that creates the Pandorica myth. Because there are because there are autons in the Pandora opens, yeah. Uh, no, no nesting mentioned, but the autons are involved. So you're like, right, what's going on here then? Romartons. 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 Yeah, Travdalunders. That's close to what I was going for. Roman autonomous. And it wanders over Parliament. That, as in the book, the London Eye begins to collapse into the Thames. And in this, you find out the fate of some of the characters from the book in it, who are sort of stuck that it keeps cutting back to during all this chaos. You realise oh. that they drown to death. <laughs> it's just like holy shit, Russell. That if you've not you can get dark when he wants oh, to, can't if, it? If y'all ain't read it yet, guys, the Rose Target novel is superb. It is. Bleak. They are not shooting bullets out of their hands in the target novelization. Their hands are morphing into shovels and blades and they are beating or slicing things to death. So they basically took the one bit where the Mickey Autons hands become paddles and decided that could be creepier. Yes. So yes, it could be. let's make them sharp edged and they're just going to stab people. Um, <clears throat> you find out like Rose, Rose, which she mentions a boyfriend, their ex-boyfriend in the restaurant. She talks about how, like, oh, I only left school because of him. Like, and the other. You find out what their relationship was like, why she left school because of him, why they broke up, and you then find out his fate on the night of the Auton attack. Ooh. It's great. It's so good. You also find out that this uh, drunken ginger lady in Chiswick missed the whole thing because she slept in, which is great because it's like, oh, Russell, you beauty. But uh, Standard. At, at the end of this sequel, the Nestine's got, like, a sliver of life left in it. <clears throat> it stumbles into Parliament and finds a corpse, and it's it just it doesn't like this person who's dead. 
He's clearly someone of important works here. He's in a suit, crushed under the rubble. But there's enough of the body left that if it performs this specific thing where it merges with them, sort of creates a half copy, like where the, it uses the body, the cadaver, as yeah. a copy. Yeah. Um, of of the, who it once was, it'll have a bit of a longer life and it'll be able to survive. A reanimated cadaver. It implies as well that the nesting consciousness may be able to leave this cadaver eventually, which yeah. will explain how it then sets up the alliance. But as it merges with what what's left of the brain cells that uh, are still like the synapses that are still sparking as this body's dying, it recognizes that it it is a man of ambition and of power and greed and determination like itself, and it begins to uh, relate to this person. And when it stands up, it dusts itself off. It says the skin sort of like says the skin skins has a slight sheen and is a bit clammy, but that's to be expected from the merge. Um. Uh, it looks at its reflection in like a cabinet, like a glass cabinet, and it describes it as like yes, like the, uh, it says. Um, I can't remember what it is, but not word for word, but it's something like it. it you know, it sees the, it sees the determination. It sees the, uh, the the desire to get power, however necessary, by whatever means necessary. It sees the suit. It sees the blonde ruffled hair. Yes, the Nestine says this will be very. Uh, this will be so much fun, or something like that. And you're like. Did Russell just write in that Boris Johnson is a temporary pilot for the nesting consciousness? I mean, he isn't human, so... And here's the thing. Doctor Who, in Russell's era, definitely had politi- fictional politicians. Mm. Um, not always, but occasionally. And it, it sometimes messed with like the, you know, the believability of it being our history, but... They would touch base. It's heavily implied the Prime Minister killed in Downing Street in Aliens of London is Tony Blair through some visuals and, and some descriptions of him. Yeah, yeah. We know Barack Obama follows President Winters. Yes. Because Barack Obama is in the end of time. Uh, President Winters was in... Sound of Drums. Last of the Time, of the time Lords, Lords, yeah. yeah. Um, and we know that after Tony Blair ended up becoming uh, Harriet Jones and then Harold Saxon... Um, there's another prime minister after Saxon, who's the one played by what's his face, Mister Conk. Um, <laughs> in in uh, he's one of those actors with a really sallow face, and he, he's looked the same and everything. Uh, in in Torture with Children of Earth, there's another prime minister who follows Saxon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but eventually, obviously, it then must get back to Barack Obama. So you can absolutely believe that even in the canon of Who, because they've not really touched on politicians in a while in the show that um that Boris Johnson is in the Hooniverse and indeed is a host for the Nestine consciousness. It would explain a lot. Yeah. Like it just wants to drive drive yeah. everything into chaos and drive up pollution so that it could possibly use it as a home world at some point. So I love it. I yeah. love it when Doctor He gets political. Yeah. Uh and then finally we have one more since the broadcast since this recording uh that broadcasted on the uh, what day is it today as we record this it's the 1st of April so it would have been on the 29th of April yeah it was the <coughs> one of them and then it was also <coughs> the uh, birthday of Vincent Van Gogh uh, aka so Vincent the, Van Gogh it was the ultimate ginger watch along yes it bloody was as um, I've seen it termed now this one this one built and built and bloody built so they agreed that they do Vincent the Doctor, and I was like, well, I'm definitely watching that, because it's one of my absolute favourite stories. I'm going to do this. Why not? 
And uh, Emily Cook said, uh, Richard Curtis, the writer of the episode, is going to be tweeting via Emma Freud, uh, Emma Freud's uh, Twitter account, uh, his, his partner, and, and she was also the script editor on the episode. So mm-hmm. the two of them will be tweeting alongside it. So the writer of the episode is going to be tweeting, just like Russell and Stephen did. Brilliant. Then a day later, they went, Karen Gillan's going to be joining us as well. She's going to be tweeting along. It's like, isn't that great? And then they went, oh, and uh, Tony Curran's going to be tweeting along as well. It's like, awesome. Vincent himself, brilliant. And then a couple of days before they went, oh, right. And also, you might want to follow this account. It was called Lockdown Who. Yeah. Because that night, they weren't using it directly. They were like, Emily was tweeting from that account, but like she was getting texts and stuff to be put up. Yeah. That night, stories were being told through that account during the broadcast from Bill Nighy and Matt Smith. Nice. So essentially, our four principal cast members for that episode and the writer and the script editor were live tweeting along with it. That's pretty good. That morning, a Van Gogh painting was stolen from a museum. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So on his birthday, another day of the watch along, it's like, what is going on? Madness. Absolute bloody madness. But that that one again was so much fun because you got weird little tidbits, the stories of drunken... Uh, Smith and Curran uh, uh, having a play fight in the hotel one night because it was filmed in Croatia. And it went on long enough that Karen Gillan went away, had a conversation with someone else on the team, came back and found they were still doing it. Um, <laughs> Wait, so, fighting or? Where? Where? Uh, we found out that. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, an a, a entire sub. Uh, <laughs> sub genre of fanfic just uh got bolstered there uh, we found out uh through matt smith's mum's twitter account that uh matt <laughs> uh, matt's back home with her at the moment um and he owns one of patrick troughton's bow ties yes, i saw this on twitter yeah it's like what the fuck which is brilliant we learned that bill nye's bow tie the blue one with the polka dots as, as dr black the uh the art uh, the uh, resident expert in the musee d'orsay um he was asked, Richard Curtis and the team said, like, do you want to be in this? Just a small part. It'd be like a day's filming for you. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Let's do it. Why not? And so we're thinking he's going to have a bow tie. And the costume designer just sort of said, what sort of bow tie do you want? And Bill Nye didn't think much of it and went, oh, the blue with polka dots. That'd be, that'd be quirky. Yeah. They couldn't find one that read well on camera. So the costume designer made one. By getting a, a royal, like dark royal blue one, and then hand sewing these individual like little speckles that would still show up as dots, but like you know they're like made of like little um little bits of plastic, whatever it was. Yeah. <clears throat> and when he found out that morning, he was devastated because he was like, "No, you really didn't have to do that. Like, I was just you, you could have put me in anything. It's fine. Like, you don't like you shouldn't have gone to all that extra effort." And all throughout the day of him arriving to make up, everyone kept saying to him like, "You know, they've such a much sold. They've sold every single bit into that." amazing isn't it? he's like yeah and he just said he felt more and more guilty as the day went on because he's Aww. like oh my god until eventually matt smith said it to him and he said i know but like i, I they shouldn't have done that and matt smith said well to be fair if, if bill nye he had asked me to get him a bow tie of a certain kind i probably would have gone out of my way as well and he sort of went i'm just gonna have to take it as a compliment and move on <laughs> because <laughs> like, I, I, was, I can't quite fathom the fact they've done this but i'm flattered that they did <laughs> have I told you about the um the Facebook thread that that Kanisha found that's a lot of spilling the tea on celebrities? Oh, I oh, I yeah. Well, this this it's mostly like these celebrities are horrible, yeah. but there's a couple of nice ones mixed in, and one of them's about Bill Nye, um, giving a massive 
tip to someone who was like who was working the bar at, at the wedding because he didn't have any of his favorite boo- boozing. So he's like, so he's like, do you fancy nipping across the road and getting us some? And they were like, yeah, all right. And then he gave him a huge tip, <laughs> paid him for the booze, and then gave him a huge tip as well. That's fair enough. I think that's fair. Enough. They went, they went out of their way to like, like leave the building and, yeah. and get a hold of a thing. I think that was pretty decent of him. Stand up bloke by all accounts. <clears throat> Bill, Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Um, like the bow tie, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Mm. <laughs> he's a good egg, except when he's putting his tentacle through a man's face. Well, you know, man's got to do what a man's got. Fish man's got to do what a fish man's got to do. Oh. Hey! Uh, uh, and also, uh, it turned out that a- Amy, uh, Karen Gillan's dad, uh, nicked slash borrowed, but nicked, uh, alongside the prop department, one of the props from Vincent and the Doctor for her birthday that year. Okay. The fake sunflowers painting with for yeah. Amy written on the bars. She has it hung up. She took she took a couple of photos and videos during the live stream. One of her clearly just watching the episode on a laptop on her bed and her like comedy sobbing at it. Um, but another one was a photo in her kitchen, uh, in her house in LA, of the painting hung up on the wall in her kitchen. It's like nice. that is so cool. Also, Tony Curran has the 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 Van Gogh uh, the portrait one, the, the self portrait. He's oh, got nice. he's got that in his home, and he put a little video up of him and his very young daughter, like holding it up and wishing Vincent Van Gogh a happy birthday. Um, and he looks exactly the same as he did eleven years ago when he filmed it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. insane. Um, because <clears throat> that was filmed eleven years ago, and he's nearly I ten years it. old. What else is ten years old? On Friday the 3rd, so if you hear this episode on the night of release, tomorrow night, Friday the 3rd, uh, they're doing another watch-along. Uh, I believe the hashtag is Fish Custard. Uh, and it's the oh, 11th hour. 11th hour, because it's 10 ah. bloody years old. But Chris, but Chris, are you going to do 11 is 10? Nope. Ah, uh... <laughs> 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 oh, dear. No, but according to CBBC law, I've been locked in a cage for a decade as of tomorrow. So, oh uh, yes, of course. of course. Yeah, yeah, that's worrying in a way. I mean, it, it's it's been awkward for you carrying it around with you all these years. <laughs> Getting on buses has been a real ordeal. It's been tough. I, in the end, I just started to hitch myself to the back bumper. Yeah, and just get dragged. <laughs> Whenever you order a taxi, you have to make sure it's got a back mount. <laughs> Have you got any animals? No, but uh, I, I am in a cage. <laughs> oh, what would it You got a trailer hitch. That's all right. I'll hook myself up. <laughs> I'm roadworthy. Have you got my favourite drinks in? I'll tell you what, here you go. I'll uh, <laughs> give you an extra tip. Go and get them for me. Bring them to my cage. <laughs> so right, strange. Bill. Oh, um, uh, Bill Nye. Who meets? That's what he says. Matstafer. Light of my life. Will you hold me? No, I can't. Social yeah. distancing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but tell me about Brightburn. <gasps> Brightburn. So uh, you said to me... I watched this last week. Uh, yeah. You said to me last week, you said, I've seen Brightburn, I could talk about that. And I was like, oh, right. We Literally just before the world ended, we picked it up on Blu-ray. And I was like, let me watch it. Let me watch it first. And you were like, fair enough. And a couple it's nights on Now ago, TV for folks at the moment, if they've <clears> got it, so they can catch it pretty easy. Oh, my God. This thing is it's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible i love it um it's a horror movie horror film folks and we're gonna get into some minor spoilers here um because <clears throat> to be honest the only way we could spoil it is sort of visually show you things oh yeah 
fuck it, fuck it. Statute of Limitations. We're going to spoil Brightburn. Yeah. So if you want to see Brightburn and not be spoiled, skip ahead a little bit. Yeah, have a little, have a little tickle, tickle the podcast on its, on its, on its, yeah. on its taint a little bit. Although it did come out a while ago, so <clears throat> yeah, well, true, true. And it is on Now TV, so you could just pause the episode, go watch it if you got Now TV, and then come back and finish listening to us, fucking jackasses. <laughs> like I say, that I don't think we're necessarily going to be spoiling it in any way because so much of it you kind of have to see. To, I mean, yeah, to get the impact of it, it's you, we you can describe things, but it's the descriptions are yeah. not going to do service to how terrifying <laughs> these images are. If you've seen the trailer <laughs> and you know and you know the concept, you know exactly where this is going, and it does it goes there. <clears throat> evil bloody Superman. It got evil Superboy technically. Yeah, well, yeah, it's it's um we've spoken before about the comic written by disgusting predator, but uh, illustrated by wonderful artist uh, American Alien. Mm. And the second issue, second issue of American Alien, I think it is, uh, is one of teenage Clark getting into sort of a fight with bullies, and he just goes a bit too far defending his friend, and he like cracks someone's arm in half, cracks someone's arm yeah. in half, because um, <coughs> he doesn't really know his own strength. <clears throat> He's coming to terms with his powers, and and it it's you know it's a really cool, interesting issue because you're like, how the hell are they gonna get out of this one? And, it's about the moral dilemma of him being like, "Oh my god!" He's like, "I'm so mad." Of course, I wanted to. Of course, I wanted to like hurt them. Of course, I wanted to break their arm. They're, they're being horrible, horrible to my friend. They did these horrible things, and then the whole thing of like, "No, you're a good person. You don't do this." <clears throat> this film's basically that issue of American Alien, if a brainwashing like trigger, yeah, in the head of of Clark went, "Nah, nah, you meant to, you meant to, you meant, you meant to kill people." Now this is what you do. What doing. if, what if Superboy, but a psychopath? Take the world. Take well, they the that, world. They have that really neat bit of foreshadowing <laughs> at the beginning when he's in the class. Mm. And they're talking about wasps and um, uh, what brood parasites. Yeah. Of like wasps that, that get taken in with the young of, a, of another hive and then take it over from the inside. And I was like, oh, that's neat. There it is. That's neat. <clears throat> you sneaky gun brothers putting the plot in. It's very. Um, it's a very... Despite James Gunn not being director or writer, he's producer on it. Mm. It's a very James Gunn film because it's from one of the many Gunn brothers. Yeah, there are many of them. There's about six of them. I hear, I hear um, the six that came out ate the other 48 in the womb <laughs> to be the superior ones. Uh, like a yeah. wasp. They were put there by a wasp. <laughs> yeah. Parasitoid wasp. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has the DNA of his. I mean, it ends mid credits ends with a teaser that there is more going on and and yeah. they've all said since that yeah we have ideas for follow-up stories and and one of them is focused on the fish man like under the water that's mentioned by the conspiracy theorist in the mid credits played by the wonderful michael rucker who's a staple oh, yeah. of james gunn's work so had yeah, to the, obviously the, crop up somewhere the sort of stinger is basically setting up an evil justice league and yeah. it, but that also includes a shout out to um, Super. James Gunn's Super, the Crimson Bolt, as the sort of shut Batman up crime. Like <laughs> Although I'd, it'd be a very different Crimson Bolt, let's be honest. For those yeah, Super. yeah, it would. Um... <laughs> God, that is a that Super is another horrible film. There's a tough. It's one. great, but it is horrible. It's bloody tough. It is yeah. bloody tough. It's, I mean, it's tough watching. It start. It starts you off thinking it's going to be kind of gross watching. Like, wait, hentai Jesus? What is this? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, that is a, that is a weird fucking 
flex. Yeah. But hey, whatever. But it, it's properly setting you up that, yeah, no, these people are not in a good place and they are very imaginative. Mm. And then it goes even further. And my God, like just uh, you'll ne- you'll never be more charmed by an Ellen Page performance where you think her character is a psycho and needs to step back. Yeah, you'll be charmed by an Ellen Page performance and then you'll be disgusted by it. Yes. Oh, God, absolutely. Uh, easiest paycheck Liv Tyler's ever got, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. She spends most of it just not pretending to be drugged. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like she's literally just, so what's my what's my motivation? Rehypnol. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go have a nap. <laughs> like, yeah, do that. We'll just shoot you. It'll be fine. Cool. Um, cool. <clears throat> Kevin Bacon, just look, look, sli- look sleazy. Oh, that was easy. Okay, right, let's go. Um, <clears throat> so, lovely Kevin Bacon, but he can do sleazy very well. Um, I think Super and X-Men First Class were like the same year as well. Yeah, and Defendor came out around the same time as well. The, yeah. The Woody Harrelson, that, Dennings That's thing. another one that's really bleak, but that one's really bleak because they are just on the nose from the top. This is somebody on the autistic spectrum who's never had anyone look after him. Yeah. I've and, not seen it, so it. I, I don't know how it compares. That's the, the basics of that is like, this guy's a vigilante, but no one has ever told him no because he's basically raised himself from a certain age. Yeah. And someone, like, Cat Dennings is, I'm not even kidding, Hooker with a heart of gold, and hey! her, char- her character is like, I have, like, I need to stop this guy. But at the same time, she's completely like charmed by him. She sees the good man, but is like, no, seriously, there are people who are going to kill you if they get hold of you because you've been tr- beating up their people, stopping that. Because he's obviously starting to figure out like the the crime network of the local area. Yeah, and it's it's bleak. It's not a fun watch, but I I would absolutely recommend, um recommend the people trying to be superheroes who really shouldn't be trilogy of of defendor super and kickass and i think i think put them in a box with set. the <laughs> with the exception of kickass i think those films have <clears throat> um more love for the superhero genre than some superhero films do i think I think Kickass definitely has that, but I think I think, I think the Kick-Ass, is it just Kickass Matt Two Miller is where it's like oh. sour taste in my mouth. <laughs> well, you should st- like you should stop asking him to do that thing that you, yeah. you used to like. It's like the, the, the Mark Miller sour taste of I look. I've written loads of brilliantly famous superhero comics that have made loads of money, but I hate superheroes and comic books. So I'm going to tear them apart from the inside. Yeah. Um, that's the thing that puts me off about Mark Millar. Um, it's so his his work's so n- not even nihilistic, just mean spirited. Because I can I can deal with nihilism. Oh, you can absolutely deal with mean spirited superhero stuff. Brightburn, key example. It's yeah, it's harsh. It is nasty. But it's not, but it's not like poking fun at superhero. Is it? Oh, it's not at all. It's a what if story. It's basically it's, tre- it's an unlicensed Elseworlds story. Yeah, it's treating the mythology of Superman as if it were Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Like, everyone knows this. Everyone yeah. knows it. So what yeah. if we do it, and then we just go off this way instead of the other way? It's and Boy, it, do they go off that way. It's, it's violent red sun. It's, it's uh, you know, yeah. it's... Yeah. It's horrifying. It's so so. It's it's the evil Superman movie that Warner Brothers have been wanting to make for twenty years. Yeah, but on a real small scale, which is why it works so well because it's you see the situation escalate, escalate, escalate as the credits roll. Yeah, but the main story itself is like, what would a hormonal teenage boy 
who's lashing out at everyone around him do if like he had superpowers? I think he's just turning 13, so he's just coming into puberty. Yeah. And as the story's um, going on, you realise that he's... It's not just a metaphor for, like, you know, all the feelings and emotions you're having to deal with at that age. It's also, mm. yes, there is, like, a, a preset trigger in him. He's a sleeper agent, and it's... It's a mix of these things bubbling together that means he's going to do horrible things to this planet, but first he's going to do it to the people who piss him off. But up, up until the very end, there is a suggestion that he could be saved almost. You and his mum's talking but, to him at the end, yeah, and you think, the, oh my god, but, is he going to be alright? But, but then, then of, he severs that tie. <laughs> yeah, well it's because of the way that people react to him. Mm. That sort of stops him from being saved. Yeah. So it could... It, it could it's possible that this could have been turned yeah. around. Um, but it, but it, it's also impossible that it could have been turned around because he'd already done too much at that point Yeah, for anyone to trust him enough to try and turn him around genuinely. Yeah. It's, like he, it's haunting. His mother was the last sort of... Um, defense. Defense yeah. to go. And if, if she had not given up on him, which, and how was she not supposed to give up on him? Like, yeah. At that point, how was she not... She couldn't not have given up on him. He just killed everyone. Yeah. Like, he, he killed, um... The, like, her best mate and her best mate's husband and... Turns the fucking sheriff husband. into a smear. <clears throat> Jesus, that bit, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like, have you seen The Boys? No, I've not watched it yet. I've read the first there's volume, but I've not watched the There's a moment yet. very like that early on in The Boys. Oh, God. Where a superhero um, just pancakes someone into the ground. It's it it's um a speedster runs through someone. Oh good god. Um Why? So they, and they pull it off on screen, okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, god. Yeah. yeah, no, okay. That's... Well they, they they sort of yeah, it's it's not quite done in quite the same way as it is in Brightburn. <clears throat> yeah. Oh um, god no. It has a, it has a similar effect. <laughs> Um, um, what I thought was interesting in this is a, a bully of sorts is taken down, but it was interesting that the film didn't go the obvious route of him killing the bully. Like they they, no. they set up that he, he's bullied a lot by the class, but there's like one big lad in particular who's always harping on at him, and he does not get any form of revenge taken. No, on never him. goes after him. Never goes after him. Um, which kind of made uh, Brandon the main character kind of made him much creepier, really. Because yeah, because it's more about it's less about revenging those who he, he thinks have wronged him and more about taking what he wants. Yeah. There's also some creepy subtle Oedipal stuff uh, going oh, on in yeah. there as well, like the purple, oh, yeah. the purple and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Banks' hair in the flashbacks and then the girl in his classes yeah. obsessed over has got the purple in her hair. and yeah. Just like the, the mother-son relationship having been stronger from the beginning than it was with him and his dad. And... Can we just say, Elizabeth Banks is fucking great. She's brilliant. She's so She's good. She's so good. She is so good. I love the fact that uh, who's the, who's the dad played by? What's the actor's name? Uh, David Demon. David Demon. David Demon. He was also fucking great. He is. David Demon and Elizabeth Banks. Um, I have a feeling the reason they're both in this is probably to do with the, them working together, albeit very briefly, on Power Rangers for Saban and Lionsgate, because he's Jason's dad. Oh yeah. Him, him and Rita have a scene, but you know it's like okay. But also, okay. Elizabeth Elizabeth Banks is a gun alumni. <clears throat> yes, she is. Yes, Slither. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, like, it's exactly the kind of thing she seems to enjoy getting involved with. Mm. Like, she's not a woman to shy away from 
fucking weird genre shit. Yeah. Oh, I mean, she loves she it. Was I mean, in, again, she was in Power Rangers for fuck's sake yeah. and clearly having a whale of a time. She's the best thing in any of the Hunger Game movies except maybe Tucci's Teeth. And... Uh, <laughs> That's and the name yes, of your cover band, that. isn't it? Tucci's Teeth. Tucci's Teeth. Um, <laughs> teeth of the Tooch. Uh, <laughs> the Tooch Gooch. Mm. Mm. Chew on the tooch's good. No, no, don't do that, boys and girls. Chew on um, the tooch. <laughs> of the tooch. Um, this film's fucking graphic. It's horrible. So, like, like, as soon as he begins his his reign of terror, like he's not subtle with anything he does. Like, what's the first? Ca- the first casualty is um, <clears throat> it's the chickens, isn't it? The first casualty is the chickens. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> all the hens in the hen house. He guts them all, basically. <clears throat> he has an obsession with viscera and in- internal organs. Yeah, they find his sort of um, spank bank under his bed, mm. and it starts off like normally enough with lingerie models, and then it gets into like anatomical drawings, and then just photos of viscera. Yeah, and he does like what the <clears throat> fuck is this? Yeah, yeah, uh, and then that gets paid off later on as well. Yeah, where, oh, where you see his little den. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh. Ah, ah, ah. The one thing the film doesn't really do, and I think it's because it, it's the fairy tale thing of it's relying on you knowing the connections anyway from the top, yeah. is it doesn't establish that Brandon is into superheroes or even that superheroes are a, are a medium people. I mean, the mid-credits then confirm that, oh no, like superheroes exist in terms of... In this of, world, there's something going in on. In terms yeah. of like comics, because in Super, superhero comics exist and the Crimson Bolt is someone who emulates that stuff. But it's like it's like one of those things like, it's in the various universes he appears in, it tends to be that Superman is the first or one of the first. Yeah. Like in, in various <clears throat> DC universe origin stories, the first is either Batman or Superman. Yeah. Or yeah. they take place around the same time, their origins. Um, And because the only thing that made me, threw me there slightly was, well, why has he gone for a, a cape? But then I realized it's all the programming's coming out. So maybe that's what his species, like, look like maybe that's what their battle armor is or i think he just thinks it looks cool yeah because it's sort of like a gas mask kind of made out of yeah of starch like right like rags and 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 rope and and then it's like a thick blanket which is even more frightening it's like it's a child it's like children's items it's like it's a a thick blanket with like shoelaces in the mask yeah god it's horrible it is super fucking creepy and his weird little logo that sort of looks like some kind of satanic scrawling but it's just his initials just bb backwards is it even got the alliterative name yeah um and so was um the uh the girl he has a crush on it's a blink and you'll miss it thing because i think only a mum gets surnamed yeah in the film but she has an alliterative nickname i can't remember what it is i'll pull it i'll pull it up but it's It's, um, but but speaking of her mum she after after her daughter after he breaks the daughter's wrist which is a graphic little visual the mum's the first proper victim. Um, yes. Good God. Could you possibly contextualise the series of events that happened to her over the course of two minutes? So <laughs> she's basically... Um, she's closing up at the diner she works at. This is after that he's broken her daughter's hand. Yeah. After she's, after she's pegged him for a pervert because she saw him in a room one night. Um, so oh, yeah. She... Uh, the daughter called her Caitlin Connor. Caitlin Connor. So, yeah, yeah, even then. Um, Caitlin Connor and her and, and mother, Erica Connor. Uh, so she... So she's closing up at the diner. And then... Shit starts to go spooky. Mm. And things start moving around. And then 
the lights go out and then the fucking windows missed up and then mm. the BB thing is scrawled all over the windows in, in condensation. Mm. Brandon's floating about being a creepy little fuck. And then one of the fucking lights explodes and she has glass in her eye and she fucking pulls a shard of glass out of her eyeball. Right out the pupil as well. So we're talking like then, it's just yeah, sat like in the it's hole. literally in the centre and it, com- it comes out with a little spurt and everything. And, um, and then so the rest of her POV shots in the scene are all done with like a, a, a red haze over the left-hand side. So, it's, so you can't mm. quite see properly on that side. <clears throat> it's just red. And then he basically fucks with her for a bit and chases around. She locks herself in the freezer. He laser visions the door to the freezer open and then comes and gets her. Yeah. And like, oh, oh. shit. He is terrifying. And we, he is terrifying. And we don't see the results of what happens to her until the end of the film. Yeah. Because she, she goes d- missing. They don't find a body. Um, um, and then, But we find the body as the audience towards the end of the movie. And it mm. is... <clears throat> His adoptive uncle is not so lucky. Oh, God. Uh, Matt, what's his name? Uh, Matt Billyhum Hay. You know, the one. Uh, Matt Billyhum Hay. He's in Breaking Bad. Matt Jones. Red State. Matt Jones, yeah. Matt Jones. Is he Badger Um, in Breaking Bad? Is that his name in Breaking Bad? Badger? uh, uh, Yes. Yeah, he's the one one who's known with the really kind of like... um, He's got a really sort of uh, raspy voice. Yeah. Oh, oh, Badger's name is Brandon as well. So there you go. Um, But yeah, he... uh, and he plays yeah. Baxter on Mom. Does he just play, like, <laughs> B characters? I don't know. Oh, um, well, he's Noah in this, so... <clears throat> boa. <laughs> he's Noah, but he wears a feather boa. But yeah, he gets um, <laughs> rather nastily dispatched in a car accident. Oh, God. The steering wheel. That's ju- it's fucking horrifying, That man. was... Because you, th- you think you see the car get dropped from the sky... Yeah. And his face smashes the steering wheel in like a blink-and-you-miss-it moment. And then it cuts to the wide. And you go, oh, my God, that was a horrific death. And he's then it reveals dead. he's not dead. He's still alive. His fucking jaw <clears throat> torn off. Holding and onto his jaw. And just watching him as he bleeds out. It's yeah. fucking horrifying. <clears throat> just, this, uh. this kid, what's the, what's the kid actor called? Uh, his name fabulous. is um, Jackson A. Dunn. Jackson A. Dunn. As Brandon Breyer. Fucking brilliant in it. You know, I was saying to Lucy, he looks the spit of Tobin Bell. Like, he oh, okay. looks like a super young Tobin Bell. Uh, he's, the, he's the kid Scott Lang in Avengers Endgame. You know, when the tra- the, ta- the time travel sh- stuff goes wrong. Oh, yeah! And he comes in as a teenager. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's because there's two main Hollywood credits are superhero movies. Yeah. <laughs> One where he's the horrible murderous killer, and the other where he's Ant-Man for, like, three seconds. <laughs> the, the Ant-Man who didn't pee in his pants. Yeah, that's that's the big that's the big yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's the biggest thing he's been in is like a couple of TV bits and stuff. But yeah, the, the biggest thing he's been in is is Brightburn. He looks like a super um, young and he's great in it. He looks he's like really a super young Tobin Bell, and I don't want to write that on the internet in any place because you just know that if Spiral does well, they'll do some kind of weird prequel where Jigsaw as a child. And I'm like, I don't, yeah, I don't need that. Yeah. I don't need that. Um, but yeah, he, he's amazing. He is. He's creepy. When when they come home to tell him that, that his uncle's died and his reaction is just like, okay. Just yeah, it's like zero. no emotion. It's like, and it's because, you know, it's because he's trying to play it cool. Like, it's not necessarily because he doesn't care because he's like, well, I don't want to give away that... I don't want to give away that I know anything. Oh, okay. But even when he gets angry, he doesn't really go... 
Super Saiyan. It's very controlled. Yeah. Like when he's when he's yeah. threatening his aunt. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. Like, like, don't, oh, don't, yeah you... don't tell them that I came tonight. Like, don't tell yeah. the police because that, that would be bad for, for It would be bad for everyone. Yeah. He's just like, okay. Does nothing happens to his aunt, does it, by the end? She gets Not out that we alive. know of. Apart from her husband dying horribly. <clears throat> yeah. He'll probably do something to her after the fact, I imagine. Well, yeah. The bloody murder. Who knows? But yeah, so who's next? His, his dad's next. His dad's next. Um, tries to, his dad tries to, despite knowing that his son is bulletproof. Well, we don't know if he... Does he know if he's bulletproof at this point? Well, I suppose not, actually. He knows he's super strong. Yeah. So he takes um, him out to the... Um, they got, He goes on a hunting trip with him and then tries to hunt, do, it, do him a hunting accident. Yeah. So the back of the damn head. Yeah. I audibly in, ga- like I, you knew something was going to be different. Yeah. But you kind of assumed that maybe you'd do it and, and the kid would turn around and like smack the gun out of his hand or something like that. And instead, no. Yeah. Brandon is legit just like looking at this rabbit or whatever and you know, being distracted. And then he shoots him in the back of the head and the bullet ricochets off of his skull and there's just this stillness as the kid is like you see that he's kind of hurt by it that he's done yeah. it. That's so, what I mean. If his if his mum and dad hadn't turned against him, he, they might have been able to bring him back. Yeah. I mean, he still would have killed two people. It would be fucking horrible. Oh but yeah. But they might have been able to sort of stop him from going as bad as he goes. Yeah. Um. But yeah. But the the weird thing about that is, then he starts stalking his dad, <clears throat> like chasing his dad through the forest. But he changes into his costume to do it. Yeah. It's very, it's he very either much brought a role, his yeah. He either brought his costume with him on the camping trip. Or he went home, got changed, and came back with his super speed. Yeah. Uh, just to fuck with his dad. Uh, and then also kill his dad by burning into his eyes with his laser vision and blowing a hole out of the back of his head. Yep, yeah, that was... Mm, okay, that's a thing. That's a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, this, ge- this this fucking film does not pull its punches. No. I mean, the next... Well, literally, the next two... Because the next two deaths are the uh, the, the, uh, the chief of the police. Sheriff the sheriff and his deputy, yeah. He's great. He's brilliant. I was kind of hoping that we were getting a, um, uh, what's his face in Halloween, uh, Doctor uh, Loomis. Loomis. I was kind of hoping he would be like a Loomis character almost. It seemed like he was like yeah. getting into the case. Because and... he pieces together that it's that <clears throat> there's something going on with Brandon. Yeah. Because he, he sees the, the the sort of glyph, the sigil. Yeah, you, you sort of assume that maybe together, he, yeah. he thinks that Brandon has maybe been witness to these incidents and, and yeah. has seen something. Um, and then when Elizabeth Banks is sort of like trying to subtly ward him off because she knows that something's gone on, mm. um, he's like, you know, mm, okay, fine, I'll be back. I'm like, you know, I'll be back because he's obviously going to go and get a warrant and be like, right, yep. let's find out what's going on. Um, yeah, he gets pancaked, like we said before, completely obliterated into the he goddamn ground. He just gets ground. fucking turned into tomato, tomato puree. Yeah, Ugh. he just. And then his, then his sheriff gets like smacked around and then just like repeatedly thrown between the ceiling and the floor. And then just left, like, thrown into the room. And, like, she is bruised. She is bleeding. She's got gashes from the wood all up her face. And she just dies there and, and on, the, on the floor. Yeah, he, he just smashes around like a ragdoll. <clears throat> it's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Um, but this is all, like, you see that in the background as his mum's hiding. Yeah. Oh, God. Just, ugh. It's, it is, it's really rough. But she remembers that he cut himself on, on his spaceship, the spaceship pod. Yeah, it's on. the only thing that's that's ever, that's ever cut him. So she goes down there, like to try and just find something. She manages to like pry a shard off of it, 
she's going to use to to stab him or threaten him with, and that's when she sees the remains of Erica. Yeah, still, let's not say any more about that. Still relatively fresh. Um, yeah, and uh, let's just say he's got a new spank bank. And um, good God, just no, 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 thanks. No, 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 no. Um, I thought the I thought the pit of dead goats was the worst thing I was going to see under a barn from Ready or Not this year, but I guess not. Mm. Uh, and then yeah, it comes down to the moment where she's like, she's talking him through, and you kind of wonder whether or not she is going to to kill him or attempt to kill him or not, or whether or not she's just she's like, I've got to see. And you can see that he, he, like you said, it's the final, the final attempt. He maybe he is actually gonna. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna go through with this, and he's gonna listen to his mom, and maybe he can be saved somewhat. But she's not ready to take the chance, and when she goes to stab him through the back, in what may be the loudest gasp I've ever made at the television in years, yeah, his hand just comes up and grabs her hand immediately. He realizes what she's about to do. <clears throat> flies her through the fucking roof and immediately her f- her head is her face is like covered in blood because of course she's just smashed through the roof of the barn yep she's probably not understanding what the hell's happening she's probably concussed he flies up to the goddamn at- like above the clouds toward the atmosphere just looks at his mum one last time and just slowly lets go yeah drops her from above the cloud barrier <clears throat> just I mean and then ah and then sees a plane coming towards him. Yes, he does. Cut to Credits. the next morning. <laughs> and the farm is covered in plane debris. His mum and dad are believed dead from the crash because it's like landed on the home. Uh, and then he's just, you know, chilling out in the back of an ambulance eating a cookie. Doesn't give a fuck. What follows is a series of vignettes of buildings being torn down in the local area. And things being set on fire just out of town. And worse stuff happening on the state line. And you realise that he's just slowly making his way through America. Probably still staying in Brightburn. Because that's when, by that point, we've realised that Brightburn is the name of the town. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you realise that maybe he's still staying there and they're just going on trips. Or maybe he's just now on a road trip from state to state, town to town, just destroying shit. Well, I think um, he's just seen what he, what he can do. Mm. And also there is the... So you discover through the course of the film that the, the pod that he came in there has been... Yeah, it's been I'm not even kidding. I want... Repeating. I want, I want clarification that it wasn't just one of the people behind the film with a can going... Because yeah, it sounded like It's like that. really creepy ominous speech yeah and flashing lights to sort of brainwash him in and then he works out that it, it towards the end of the film that he's telling him to take the planet yeah take the world so it's just yeah. like oh god so he was it wasn't like <clears throat> wasn't the superman thing of a kid sent from a dying civilization to save his life it was no this is the beginning yeah. of an invasion like you're the he first was sent there as a conqueror yeah you're the first maybe there's others we don't know yet and off he goes. Oh, that's a terrifying thought. <clears throat> Sorry about the throat clearing. I'm uh, just dying over here. Much like the many protagonists of a film series that you have ploughed through in the past week. Matt? So, I was going to take a little break, <laughs> but I discovered that Friday the 13th, part five, 
a new beginning is actually on Prime. Oh, God. So just to so clarify, watched... this is the fifth movie in the Friday the 13th series. Yeah, which comes after Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. Right, so the final chapter has happened, and yeah. now we're starting up again. Now it's a new beginning. How many years between films? Oh, a year. Fucking hell. They made one a year for like nine years. Jason's body wasn't even called again. Yeah. <laughs> well, ah, no, you see, because here's the thing. Spoilers for Friday the 13th, part five. Jason is dead. Right. It's a oh, copycat in part five. This is the dude wearing the like the latex thing around his head. He wears a latex thing. Yeah. And then the mask on top. Right, there we go. And it's like, it's some sort of fucking uh, whole... Um, convoluted thing that he's so so the Corey Feldman character from the end of four has now grown up a bit because they couldn't get Corey Feldman back <laughs> because the character's supposed to be older although he does return for like a nightmare sequence at the start um, because of course and, everyone wants some of that Feldman yeah or so he says um, <laughs> and then, so it's all alleged he gets, but he's probably onto something however. yeah he's probably onto something yeah. I, I need to see that documentary um <laughs> So he, he's, you know, suffering from PTSD. He's in this mental institution. Um, one of the guy, one of the guys there snaps and kills one of the other guys there horribly. And that sort of sets everything off because it, as it turns out towards the end of the film that the, one of the paramedics who attended the scene was like the secret father of the kid who got killed. Okay. So then he decides to kill, he decides to kill everyone who was at the institution except for the person who killed him because he gets taken into police custody immediately so he can't get him. Right? <laughs> but, all, but all the while, um, Tommy is seeing visions of Jason. Okay. And then the, and then the movie ends on a cliffhanger <laughs> that he's taken the Jason persona and he's about to kill the one of the other survivors. Doesn't go anywhere. Gets completely ignored. Oh, so right, so because so, so part five is completely sounds actual Jason then. Yes, completely from, sounds actual Jason. Apart from hallucinations that um, that uh, that Tommy has, and the nightmare sequence at the start, which is Tommy <laughs> witnessing two people dig up Jason's grave, and then Jason comes back from the dead. So it's a spiritual Halloween three of the Friday the Thirteenth series. Ah, yeah, it's part of the series. But the thing you apparently all want to see ain't in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, because it's only at the end you realise it isn't Jason. Okay. There's a couple of little hints that it isn't the same Jason, but until it's you the, seem to the mask it's off. It's the J-Station like... 2. Yay! <laughs> well, you know, apart from the fact that he hasn't got a massive fucking wound through most of his head. Yeah, that'd um, be a giveaway, I suppose. It's like, the way he gets fucked up at the end of 4, it's like, he's almost like a fuck. his head's almost like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but then, six, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th part six, Jason Lives, <laughs> is the first overtly supernatural, um... Knew it was coming. Uh, Knew it was Friday coming. Friday the 13th movie. Oh, <laughs> gets weirder, but, but we'll get there. Um, so, completely ignoring the cliffhanger ending of part five which sees tommy don the mask and raise a knife about to stab one of the other survivors yeah cuts to tommy drive on sort of 
who's by who inferred by the dialogue is still at the same institution. Yeah. So mustn't have murdered anybody, and that's never brought up because that character doesn't appear. Um, and it's also a different actor. It's only of a year course, later, but it's a different actor. And I, I get um, a lot of people are, are calling them their name a lot of times in the opening scene with them, just to clarify. No, this is yeah, him, guys. Basically. This is him. This is him. Tommy's got it into his head that he's he's got to go and dig up Jason's body and burn it to finally rid himself of these hallucinations. And he's taking one of his friends from the, from the institute <clears> with him, <throat> who's really not into it. But then they get to Jason's grave and they dig up Jason's grave and Jason's corpse is all yeah. rotted and, you know, with maggots and bugs and shit crawling all over it. And then fucking Tommy loses his shit and he stabs um, Jason's corpse with this bit of railing and then lightning strikes <clears throat> oh, and brings Jason back from the dead. <laughs> what the fuck? And Tommy can't stop him. And now Jason's on the rampage and Tommy has to convince the local sheriff of Crystal Lake, which has now been renamed <sighs> Forest Hills or something like that, that Jason's back and he's coming back to Camp Crystal Lake, even though it's not called Camp Crystal Lake anymore, to kill everyone at Camp Crystal Lake. And then he meets the sheriff's daughter and the sheriff's daughter suddenly gets the hots for this weird guy in a cell. And also there's her friends are coming to be the new counsellors at the camp because the camp's reopened now. And What the fuck is happening? And then he, then Jason starts killing everyone again. So just, just, think... to clarify, just to clarify, a rotted skeletal corpse is struck by lightning, and now it's and then... killing people. Yeah, yeah. Does yeah. he like bulk up again, or is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in six, seven, and eight, <clears throat> eight and nine, uh, Jason's played by Kane Hodder. Yes, so yeah. he's big and bulky. How does he go from skeletal to bulky? Does flesh just, like, appear on him? Well, it must be something to do with magic, because <laughs> after he realises what's happened, Tommy finds a book in his glove compartment. I think it's in his glove compartment. Oh, Along with God. a series of other books about, like, occultism. And from that, he gleans that the only way to lay Jason, to kill Jason finally, is to, is to kill him in the place where he originally died, i.e. the lake, drown him in the lake again. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so sorry, I just think... to, just I'm just I I I can't think anymore. I just so right. Hang on, this series. <laughs> this series featured a yeah. real, yeah. yeah, albeit superhuman seeming, but a real person walking around monosyllabic, stabbing people, wearing a hockey well, mask. Know, he appears at the end of the first one as like a kid. Yeah. And then he's a big old mean bastard in the second one. But that dream sequence of him as a kid. Is it a dream sequence? Is it not? We're never entirely sure. But then they just kind of haze over it. They never really address it. So, uh, okay. So they have a window into potential supernatural storytelling yeah, from the beginning. But they then. never they never really address it. <laughs> and because, t because two, three, and four basically take place over the course of a weekend. Yeah. So yeah. he should be dead from all the injuries he sustains in two and three. Yeah. But he's definitively dead at the end of four. Without asking too much of the upcoming installments before we get there, do they ever yeah. clarify that there's a supernatural thing in his life from way before we've known him? No, not really. So he's kept alive by the evil blood magic of franchising. I guess. Like that's I the reason say... he lives. I will say that six might be my favourite. 
Okay. It's still bad, <laughs> but it's it's the most self-aware. Yeah. And it's probably the funniest. On purpose? <laughs> yes and no. <clears throat> I like those like, odds. There is there is a moment where he kills a girl inside a RV. So they're in this couple have been fooling about in an RV. And oh, then they drive the again, RV off. killed because they're having carnal thoughts. Oh, yes. And then they drive the RV off. And the guy who's driving can't hear the girl being brutalized by Jason in the bathroom because he's got the radio on listening. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of Alice Cooper songs in this one, by the way. Oh, is this the, um, is this the uh, he's back? He's yeah, the man yeah, yeah. behind and, the uh, mask. Yeah. And Teenage Frankenstein's in it as well. Oh, um, yes. And um, Teenage Frankenstein. So we can't hear her because he's listening. He can only hear her making sound. He thinks she's in the bathroom having a fiddle well um and then but jason kills her you see the, the way it's shot some of the kills in the in these later installments are weird because it's when the sensors started to get harder on them yeah so there's a lot of cutaways and like less blood and guts um so so um you see jason go to ram her face into the mirror and then it cuts to an exterior shot of the RV and the shape of her face slowly pushed out <laughs> in the panel work of the RV. What? I just laughed. Like, what? A human because, face isn't but, strong enough to do that. They were clearly so proud of that shot because they reused it in the recap at the top of the next film. Oh, Jesus. Because all these films have recaps, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> All these, all these films have recaps of the previous film in the chapter. Well, they, you know, they want people who are walking into their annual Actually, no. Halloween holopalooza to be I like, I don't know if I've seen the last five, but it's like, hey, it's but fine. Yeah. Watch this recap. Six is really silly, but I, I, it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> it, it took six favorite. movies, but we found one in the series that you've enjoyed. Like I could probably watch six again and be like, yeah, this is crap, but I quite like it. <laughs> Seven, on the other hand. Oh shit, biscuits! Which one's this? Friday, Friday the thirteenth, part seven, the new blood. Oh no! Are you ready for this, Chris? No, oh, no, oh, no. Now we're starting to get to the protagonists with arbitrary superpowers section of the horror franchise, because this revolves around a young girl who is telekinetic. What the fuck and is happening? She is undergoing psychiatric treatment because her telekinetic powers killed her father when she was young and now the doctor that is treating her has brought her back to presumably camp presumably to crystal lake where apparently she lived when she was young and to sort of carry on with the treatment but it turns out he's actually manipulating her to to study her telekinesis anyway because at the end of at the end of six, Jason gets chained to a rock um, at the bottom of Crystal Lake, and then he gets his his neck cut with a boat propeller. So he's chilling at the bottom of uh, Crystal Lake. So this girl comes to therapy. <laughs> oh so he's not Wouldn't... dead. Oh, he is dead, but not for long. He bled out and drowned. Then... Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but he's not but... dead for long. Unquote. Yeah, not dead for long. So then this girl comes for therapy and then in the house next door, oh, wouldn't you know it, how? there's a group of is a group of horny teenagers who are all staging a surprise party for their friend who never actually makes it to the surprise party <laughs> because wouldn't you know it, 
Killed by Jason? Jason? The girl's telekinesis reawakens Jason from the bottom of the lake, and he goes on a killing spree, and among his first victims are the dude who is coming for the surprise party and his girlfriend. So he never makes it to the surprise party. So there's a house full of horny teenagers who are sort of at a loose end for the weekend because the guy whose party it is doesn't come along. And one of them is a complete bitch and he's trying to get the guy into bed that the the main protagonist is falling for and sort of have a thing with. And anyway, it's, it's mostly not very good until towards the end where... Jason and this girl whose name I can't remember. What is her name? I can't remember her name. Tits McGee. Let's call her Telekinesis Girl. So Jason and Telekinesis Girl have a sort of telekinetic battle through the house. And it's it's full of weird, like, so she she sort of ties him up with, like, tree branches and tries to drown him in a puddle in the woods, and then he chases her to the house, and she shuts the door, and she throws a sofa at him with telekinesis, and then she looks around and sees someone's head in a fucking plant pot, and she screams, and she telekinetically throws the plant pot with the head on it at Jason, and the head falls off. (laughs) And it's almost comical, but not quite. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. Why are these things that happen? Yeah, and she, like, she fucking... Uh, she breaks a light and and all telekinetically, so it's all like practical, sort of wired up yeah. house effects. Um, strangles him with the cord and drops him through the floor into the basement. And then she gets pulled down in there with him and she telekinetically opens up a can of gasoline on him and sprays him with it and then pulls flames out of the furnace and sets the whole house alight and she and her love interest escape. And, and that's part, that's part seven. Now there's a telekinetic woman roaming free. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And that's that's part seven. Well, it can't possibly get any weirder. So Friday the thirteenth. Oh no. Part eight. Oh no. Jason, Jason go... takes Manhattan. Oh, oh, we're not there yet. Okay. Okay. This. This is. I can see people having this as a guilty <clears throat> pleasure. This is quite fun. <laughs> it's very silly. Very bad. <laughs> Just like painfully stupid. But it does feature some excellent moments of fun. First of all, they don't end up in Manhattan till quite near the end of the film. Of course. Because they the basic plot of this is <clears throat> So somehow Jason finds his way out of the lake and hitches a ride on a boat with a pair of horny teenagers who he kills um, and ends up boarding a... (laughs) I could see the light going out in your eyes, Chris. He's he's somehow... (laughs) No, put the gun down. Put the gun down. No! Um, He somehow gets onto a cruise liner which is taking a graduating class of horny teenagers of on a mini cruise. Oh, did they all did they all graduate the horny teenager school? Yeah, on a on a on a mini cruise to Manhattan. Of course. So of course. And then there's one there's one girl there that who's got a phobia popular of water, cruise destination. And she and they're very protective of this one girl. And oh Jesus! So then a girl gets killed with a guitar. What? I guess bludgeoned to death with a guitar. Um. The the lead male is the son of the captain of the cruise ship. 
Um, so he has to sort of try and take control of the ship and steer it into Manhattan once Jason kills his dad. But of course, they have to abandon ship. So like a, a, like five, the five survivors, like two teachers, the lead girl, the lead guy, and one other guy, like literally bail on to a lifeboat and row to Manhattan. <laughs> and Jason just follows him. <laughs> And one of the guys who survives is a like he's like the he's like the prize fighter boxer of the of the school. Of course he is. So of course he is. Weren't you? I late, was. Later, later on, he gets the showdown with Jason on a rooftop, and like just re- like reams Jason, just like throwing big old haymakers at him until he's knackered and he can't do anything. And then Jason just takes his head clean off in one punch. And it's like this great shot of like, he punches the head off and the head sort of sails off, no real blood spatter, just sort of sails off this guy's neck and like basketball ricochets into a dumpster, which then shuts on top of it. Like it is a comedy. It's, it's, it's a comic shot. Um, <laughs> like he kills someone on the dance floor while disco music is playing, like strangles them to death. And then he's prowling through the streets of Manhattan. Yeah, I've seen the shot of him just like walking through Times Square. Yeah. Does someone approach him thinking it's a costume and to get a photo with him? No, no. Oh, this, this they missed that opportunity. Like, there's a bunch of punks sitting on a street corner listening to like music out of a boombox. And he walks past them and he just kicks the boombox out of the way and keeps going. And they jump up and you're like, you're dead. And they all get the knives out. And he just turns around. And he... And, with his back to the camera, lifts his mask up. Yeah. They all look at his face and are like, oh, but, oh no, hey, 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 you don't, hey, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And fuck off. And then he puts his mask back down and then carries on. <laughs> it's like, what? So he's been shown to be a, a near supernatural killer. Well, no, a genuinely supernatural at this point. He was a skeleton. Well, killing so, machine. And yet he picks and chooses when he actually wants to have a fight. <laughs> this I'll girl, just scare these guys away with my face. This main and then girl I'll go having... get a, a hot dog. I'm this main, this main girl has been having visions of oh, a, a, a young boy, Jason, under the water, begging for help. That's dirty and she needs to seek help. Um, so it seems that he's somehow fixated on her. And then later on, she remembers like suppressed memory. That her uncle, who's now her legal guardian because her parents died in a car crash, he's one of the teachers and he's also a bit dodgy. Right. Right prick. Um, he threw her into Crystal Lake when she was young to force her to learn how to swim. Oh, but Jesus. He was telling her, and he was telling her all about Jason and how if you don't learn how to swim, Jason's going to come and get you because this is before the first set of murders when it was just the legend about Jason who drowned in the lake. Yeah. Um, and funny, and sure enough, he does get her, but then her uncle pulls her out, but he didn't believe her that Jason was under the water dragging her down. Um, so we're now establishing straight up that, yes, Jason has always been there as a boogeyman now. Since, I guess. Since he was anyway, there. Oh, God. <laughs> they end up drowning him in toxic waste in the sewers because apparently in New York, the sewers fill up with toxic waste at, at midnight. <sighs> Guessing they and didn't. He, get the permission of new york city to put that fact in the movie she finds a little canister of of toxic waste and throws it at him and the hockey mask melts into his face oh that's creepy so then he's got like a 
he's like got the hockey mask as his face, like with the flapping jaw and everything for the next five minutes or so until he gets drowned in toxic waste and inexplicably turns into child Jason, just lying there, drowned in toxic waste, which is basically just green foamy water. Um, yeah, so we're flat out supernatural now. There is no yeah. avoiding it. Like he is a supernatural entity. And then they just leave him in the sewers and that's the end of the film. <laughs> Jason Takes Manhattan is, has got some campy charm. Like it is thunderously stupid. I don't understand. How is he? What? He punches a dude's head off. Yeah, but now he's a child drowning in toxic waste under the yeah, But sewers. then he's back in the next film. I don't know how he's back in the next film and I don't know when I'm going to find out because... Jason takes Manhattan the final Friday is <laughs> oh. is currently not streaming anywhere. Wait, hang on. And, ni- what? and neither is Jason X or Freddy versus Jason. Right, hang on, 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 hang on. Which one's Freddy goes to hell? Uh, Freddy goes to hell. Which one's Jason goes to hell? The next That's one. the next one. So Jason goes to hell. This is Friday the Thirteenth Part Nine, but it but it's not called Part Nine. It's called. Jason goes to hell the final Friday. They couldn't call... I don't think they could call it Friday the 13th because I think this is after the property changed hands. Right, so someone else like this, owned the, the character rights changed to that hands. Name. Yeah. So they had the rights to the character, but they didn't have the rights to the Friday the 13th title, I think. Or they were trying to do a, uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street thing because the last Elm Street is called Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Oh, yeah, almost certainly they were also trying to wipe that, yeah. <clears throat> uh, depending on which one came first, because I think... The final Friday was 1991, where because uh, uh, Jason Takes Manhattan was 1989. Yeah, uh, let me quickly look that one up because Freddy's dead is is the genuine death of Freddy Krueger in that series until Freddy versus Jason. Uh, and spoiler alert for the final shot of Jason Goes to Hell, Matt. The very last shot of the movie. Do you know what it is? Oh yeah, it's just. Jason getting pulled into hell and then there's a clawed glove, a Freddy Krueger glove pulls him down. Uh, Freddy Krueger glove comes out of the masks lay on the ground and the, the clawed glove grabs the mask and pulls it down under the ground. Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, which leads directly, or sort of directly, because like a decade or so passes to the events of Freddy versus Jason. And also Jason X happens in between, which is set in the far future. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now that one I have seen. Uh, let me. That's all. That's also a Kane Hodder Jason. Yes. Yeah. Kane Hod. Kane Hodder was Jason in Freddy vs. Six, seven, eight, nine, and X. Does he reprise it in Freddy vs. Jason? Nope. No. Has he passed by nope. then? No. Kane Hodder's still around. They just didn't ask him back. Ah. Uh, oh my God. Brian May did the music for Freddy's Dead. Kane Hodder <laughs> would go on to be Victor Crowley in the Hatchet films. <laughs> Oh yes, with his scraggly hair and his screaming yes. face. Um, <laughs> let me as well see. As all sorts of other cameos, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm eight. I'm eight films deep into Friday the Thirteenth. They continue to be awful. <laughs> Funnily enough, they're not getting any better. Isn't that? Although six and six and eight were the most enjoyable of the lot so far. Isn't that weird though? Isn't that weird? <sighs> That like that this is a series that is held in renown, and it's just it's never been good. Like I guess how they the kept hell making money. Yeah, I don't understand why people like the Friday the Thirteenth movies so much because they're not good. They've never the first one isn't good. Oh, I uh, just confirmed. So Fre- Freddy's Dead is ninety one. 
Jason Goes to Hell is 93. So uh, Oh, wow. So they actually, no. So I guess Chapter 8 didn't do that well then because if that was 89 and they didn't do Jason Goes to Hell till 93. That's a big, that's, that's the biggest gap these films have had since the gap between 1 and 2. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, after, after 2, they were pretty much every year. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, uh, Paramount Pictures sold the rights to New Line. Oh, yes. So, so the rest of the character. So that's it, yeah. So New Line couldn't use the name Friday the 13th. But, but they, they could, could use Jason. Jason Isn't that weird? I guess it was... Mm. I guess Paramount probably like, oh, you wanted the you wanted the franchise name as well? Oh, that'll be uh, twice the money. And they'd just be like, yeah, but it was only $20 to start with. So <laughs> I guess New Line was just really cheap. <laughs> can, you ima- um, can you imagine owning? Can you imagine freaking owning the uh the the words friday the 13th as Chris, a copyright. i can't imagine owning any of these films on blu-ray yeah. but i'm probably going to end up owning them that's worrying in a way if know... i can find a box set with all of them in I, I might buy it oh god well let's see let's see how the success rate goes with um with uh jason goes to hell well that might be the only way i can watch jason goes to hell and jason x and freddie versus jason because as i say they're not on streaming anywhere at the moment they're not on netflix they're not on amazon prime and they're not on now tv we'll seek those bad boys we'll seek them here we'll seek them there we'll but seek if you those... want to join me on my friday the 13th deep dive you can find friday the 13th parts one through four and six through eight on now tv at the moment with part five and a couple of the others on amazon prime also so, are you endorsing this marathon to the viewers and no, the listeners? No, they're awful. They're not good. But if they'd like to share in your pain. Listen, I just wanted to sate my curiosity and we're in fucking quarantine. What the fuck else am I going to do? <laughs> oh, God. I applied for a couple of supermarkets who were taking on everyone at the moment and even they fucking turned me down. You know, so I've literally got nothing else to do. It's probably because you opened your interview with... Oh, sorry, I was just watching uh, Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, in preparation for my watch of Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Uh, what was your first question? And then just went, oh, God, no. Oh, God. No, no, no. He's a, fr- he's a Friday the 13th fan. <laughs> we can't allow him in. Ah! He's a he's a 13er. <laughs> he's a 13 Does Jason's a, fan base have a nickname? He's a friend of Jason. Um... <laughs> Chris, can I set your homework for next week? Voreheads, as in Voorhees. Voreheads. That's very good. There we go. Chris, can I set your homework for next week? Oh, is it sexy homework? Kind of. Oh. Can you please? Oh. Please. Oh. Please. Oh. Watch Tiger King on Netflix. Lucy started. I've been watching it peripherally. How far into it are you? I've finished it. You finished it? We, me and Keeks watched it in a day. I've yeah, I've I've delved into a few a few good chunks it, of it by now. It, it's she it's de- eight, she definitely fed her husband's corpse to those tigers. It's it's eight episodes, <laughs> and it's it. You need to watch it I'll, so we can talk. About I will it. I will bathe in it like uh, like Camp Crystal Lake. I'll I'll submerge my body into man. it. It is fucking something. <laughs> why are these people because i was i was previously aware of him because i'd seen the louis theroux episode with him oh, okay yeah, yeah and yeah. i was like is this that guy, is this the guy everyone's going on about on twitter and stuff because like he's i'm sure i've seen him in other stuff before i didn't realize that it was just like a comprehensive documentary mm. centered around him and the weird oh, well, no. competitive market of the That's people what you that think it, it is well oh but it goes so much deeper oh good right okay I'm it to... goes 
fucking places. I'm going to have to wade through this it one. Goes places, Are you telling me friend. I have to stop my DuckTales 2017 marathon to watch Tiger King? Yes. Oh. And then I'm telling you that I'm going to do some emails. Um, <laughs> eh, 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 eh. Uh, <laughs> this one came in for last week, but we didn't touch on it because... We were uh, running quite uh, long last week. <laughs> yeah, we were running quite long, and I need to go for a poop. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> this one comes in from a uh, long-term listener and kind patron, Ian. It says, dearest big damn COVID cast. Um, also, um, also, the email is titled, did you know Javas don't have the number seven? Yeah, I didn't know how to title this email. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Sweet Ian. Ian says, it is just past nine o'clock on Wednesday, the 25th of March. So I assume I'll have missed the cutoff point for episode 196 where you talked about Disney Plus. Wonder Woman getting pushed and maybe a Cyberman jigsaw being the end of Chris. Um, <laughs> I completed off screen. <laughs> it was my birthday on the 31st yesterday by the time you're reading this on the podcast, assuming you're recording this on Wednesday the 1st of April to be uploaded on the 2nd. <clears throat> we are, although we were going to read it last week because it did come in before the deadline, but I decided not to. Um, so it all works out. Happy yeah. birthday for the past. He ran out of um, cake. <laughs> I have no idea how I'll be spending it, but I highly doubt it'll be any different from any other birthday I've had. But definitely by the 2nd of April, I'll probably be continuing my Studio Ghibli marathon on Netflix. Nice. I should probably watch some Ghibli films. I've only seen Spirited Away. Yeah, apparently all bar one are on there at the moment, from what I've heard. I think from Ian, actually, on, on Twitch. I think he mentioned it on Twitch. Uh, can't wait to go back to work after my birthday holiday I booked off. <laughs> James Bond, no time to die, starting tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be so busy. <laughs> With added emojis to just really hammer home the sarcasm. Um, anyway, back to our all-consuming entertainment juggernaut, which is Disney Plus. Here follows my review of the of the Mandalorian. Disney Plus, episode one. Oh, God. The Mandalorian, aka let's actually have a Star Wars. Probably someone wants to make. <laughs> this show looks so amazing. You can tell everything has had time spent on it. Someone has lovingly handcrafted this show. The CGI does stand out, but hey, that's never been an issue for me. I'm with you there. I'm really enjoying the soundtrack. It's a little bit of a shame we all know what he's after, but it doesn't ruin the enjoyment at all, as the mystery is hopefully still there. Also, show don't tell in Star Wars. Wow. <laughs> My main criticism really is the Stormtroopers showing up, but of course they'd be here, yet it was a nice surprise. But it also does feel a bit, why should I care? I do wish we had been told the planet names as I like the world building and while this wasn't written with merchandise intentions, I can't help but see the booking Blurg ride. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Fucking love the Blurgs. Overall, 8 out of 10. An excellent yet simple start. Episode 2, The Child, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> baby Yoda, do-do-do-do-do. Sorry. Hello, Baby Yoda stan here. What <laughs> did I'm glad the internet only ruined Baby Yoda. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, nice to see the Star Wars minions Jawa appear as they are a nice, easy monster of the week. I'm enjoying the small amounts of comedy and the simplicity of this all. It's very user-friendly, definitely for all ages, which is clear what is what Disney went going forward, want going forward with Star Wars. It gets a little darker in later episodes. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, there's I, violence I, there, but it's very... I watched it all with my um, seven-year-old uh, possible future brother-in-law. So, yeah, he he loved it. He loved the shit out of it. He so, chowed down on it. Yeah. Chowed down on it like the Jowers chowed down on a goddamn egg. 
Yeah. Um, oh, they fucking love eggs. They love those eggs, man. They love I can them. see why they've put up episodes one and two. I do feel that people will pirate the series. What? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, but with Disney, that's not going to matter because they have our money. Even though this is episodic, it's digestible enough and you can easily stream it. Mm. But like with all shows, there must be a reason to slow down and this does feel like we must delay the plot even a bit. Overall, 7, 10 and good if a bit of a runaround. I'm not sure how I went this email and it's getting longer by every word. Apart from not really being able to go down the town, this pandemic has made me lose weight, started baking again. You can do the, both of those at the same time. Apparently. That it depends and, on and how heavy the things you're baking are. Days. <laughs> I beg you, please send the carrier pigeon which delivered this message back and try not to eat it as desperate as these times are. Oh. I have spoken. <laughs> um, uh, very it good. is the way. Um, um, and then we got another one. Oh, oh before we go on to the next one, um, have you watched episode three of The Mandalorian? I have, yeah. How are you feeling about I it? I like it so far. Because I, I, was, I was wondering, like, where's this going? Like, he obviously wants to honour, he wants to honour his people. He wants to make the money and get on with his day. But wordlessly, they have been really establishing that he is having doubts about this particular job because of it being a child. And you're like, right, what? Where's where's this going to go? The raid back on the on the on the 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 sort of the, the client's place. Yeah. And the yeah. killing the stormtroopers, and and then the other bounty hunters coming after him, being like, right, we can't let you leave. Put the fucking child down. And how that escalated. I thought that entire sequence, like the last fifteen minutes of Ep three, was superb. Also, little uh, Star Wars Easter eggs. The Mandalorian that gives Mando shit mm. at the forge and then saves his ass with the fucking sort of rail gun, gun yeah. later on. That's voiced by John Favreau, and it's the same character he played in the Clone Wars. Oh, cool. Okay. All right, well, or was it Rebels? Might be Rebels. Uh, play- might be Rebels. He plays closest to the time. He plays a Mandalorian. He voices a Mandalorian in either Rebels or. Clone Wars, and he and it's the same character who he again voices here. Doesn't play him on set, but he voices. Him. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say yeah, it's a bit bit, bit tall for. Uh, I mean, John Favreau's a tall guy, but like he's not tall beefcake kind of guy. No, no, he's he's a he's a bit uh, got a bit of middle aged spread going on as uh, <laughs> as as John Favreau has, but as well he should. Um, he looks like he looks like Baloo, but yeah, which is suitable considering he's rated. <laughs> I can't, I can't, yes, I can't recommend episode four enough because it does. Um, also have Gina Carano. Yeah, which makes so, me happy. That's what we're getting next. That's what you're getting next week. I've definitely not already seen it. Yeah, you've, no, you've never um, seen it. You've never, so, seen it. you've never seen it at all. What are you talking about? No, I've never seen it. I've not already seen it all. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, this one this one comes in from... Um, stop, quiet. Uh, this one comes in from Jack Hustwaite. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right. Feel free to correct me. Um, it says, hello, Johnson and Watson. Hello. I again, uh, also email it titled The Virus Among Things. Um, <laughs> I again endeavor to binge. I again endeavor to binge the big damn cast and I'm making good progress and look forward to seeing your views on COVID-19 and its effect in Medea. Um, that's media said a funny way, not Medea, the Tyler Perry um, character, <laughs> Tyler Perry character, which is problematic uh, during this time of national crisis i feel that hope is a very important thing especially for people of my age who've had their a levels cancelled and their places in university are still nebulous yeah mm-hmm. that sucks man 
And this time I've turned very heavily to my faithful companion, Doctor Who, as many have. And, you know, that's one of the good things about the show. Uh, what do you think about Jodie's virus messages, the Doctor? I think we talked about this a little bit last week, yeah. but it's worth mentioning again. Uh, I personally thought it was very sweet and instantly with that warm feeling you can only find in hope. Along these lines, how do you feel about the day the Doctor and Rose Wee watches over on Twitter? Wish you both all the best during this time. Uh, Jack Hustway. Um, well, we've talked about the rewatches a bit. Um, I think they're cool. I've not really been joining in with them, but that's mainly because I've had... I know it sounds weird, it, it, things being as they are, but I've had I've been doing other things. Yeah. Like things around the house or me and my partner having dinner and I don't want to drag her into something that she might not be super into. So, um, But also... But yeah, the, I thought the message from Jodie was really sweet. And we, and we did talk about it a bit last week. And I did sort of mock the fact that she's probably talking to some kind of old flip phone because it's <laughs> quite awful. <laughs> but um, it's sweet. It, like the thought of it, the, the, the sentiment behind it is really sweet. And I think that's good. I think it really lands with a lot of people. Yeah. People remember that stuff. And that's the that's the kind of periphery and atmosphere around the show that, that brings people back to it. And in a period where there is such a, toxic elements of the fandom it's really nice to see that sort of the um, doctor stepping up and still saying what yeah, needs to be said that that sort of that sort of positivity surrounding the show it's really cool um i i, I dig it i'm a fan uh, chip i'm Chibnall a fan has been writing a few new short stories for the website as well for the doctor website um Oh, I've read balls. one of them one of them's a uh, it's a prequel to the woman who fell to earth and it's literally the story oh. of uh of the Doctor's thoughts as she plummets from the TARDIS into the train. And it's very good. Like, the prose is brilliant. I would love to read a book written by Chris Jenner. Was it, was it similar to the um, uh, the thoughts of the bowl of petunias that one of the missiles <laughs> gets turned into spontaneously in Hitchhiker's Guy? No, but it is, it is as silly and fun Which, as that, uh, that moment is from just, Hitchhiker's. Oh, no, not again. <laughs> Which does get explained in later Hitchhiker's books because Douglas Adams is weird and wonderful and how um um and also apparently as of today I've not seen it yet but apparently there's a, a Kablam prequel now on the website. I could give that a little a little fiddle. Yeah, I beg your pardon. Um, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Sir. Is that a baby crying? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's all that ever happens right now. Baby's um, crying. Welcome to 2020, motherfuckers. Baby's crying. Um, so before we go, a couple of things that have been getting me through the... Uh, Apocalypse? The, uh, the the lockdown so far. Um, obviously Friday the 13th. Somehow. Some bloody how. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles on the Wii. Technically the Wii U. Um also available on 3DS and starring a pre-Doctor Who Jenna Coleman in a voice role. Um, yeah. Which one's that one again? Xenoblade Chronicles. Is, for the is there a version of that on Vita or am I hallucinating? No, it's Nintendo exclusive. There's a 3DS version. Oh, I'm thinking Broken Sword. The word Blade is making me think of Broken Sword. That's why. It is. Uh, it's also getting a, a remastered re-release on the Switch later in the year. Okay. Um... Very good JRPG, if you like JRPGs. If you don't like JRPGs, don't play it. You'll fucking Does hate JRPG it. Does JRPG stand um, for Jenna Coleman roleplay game? 
<laughs> you knew that was coming. Yes. You knew that was coming. You knew that but was yeah, coming. But yeah, Jenna Coleman voices one of the main characters, uh, and she recorded it before she got the Clara Oswald job. So it's it's a, as well as being a pretty fucking great game, it's also an interesting historical curiosity for that. For nerd um, Dan Olson posted a tweet on with a couple of videos that he'd been watching that have been that he's been interested in that have been good. So I fell down both a Sarah Z hole. Mm, she's and great. A, she's really good. She's great. And a Renegade Cut hole. Yeah, Renegade Cut could be a lot and of fun too. Renegade Cut's great. I particularly recommend their four-part documentary on the problem with the DCEU and its fandom specifically, yes. which touches on all sorts of shit, including tribalism. Mm. And also they have a great um, examination of theology through the lens of the Left Behind series. Um, on a side, which side is, note on that addendum... Uh, worth pointing out uh, uh, for April Fool's uh, Screen Junkies did an honest trailer for the Snyder Cut uh, and it's 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 brilliant because Screen Junkies as an organisation has been one not necessarily to sort of get involved in places where they need to sort of go hey everybody can you stop being stupid and ridiculous now stop being stupid and this is just blatantly like hey people who are pushing for the Snyder Cut you're fucking delusional let's move on it's it's wonderful it's really really good um okay sorry renegade cut and the what was that one that i cut into i'm so sorry <laughs> uh the the it's about uh <clears throat> theology and the translation of god through the um through the lens of the left behind series of books and films okay oh shit again so which is David, fascinating deep dive on that one For, oh yeah absolutely but fascinating um also i'm now over 300 issues deep into fantastic Four. I finished the John Byrne run. That's at uh, least ten that, inches. I am um, three hundred. Well, issue three hundred is the one where Johnny Storm marries Alicia Masters. Yes, Johnny Storm what? marries Alicia Masters, not Ben Grimm. What the fuck! I don't recall this. When's this? All right, what? so I'm 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 going to end the show with a bit of comics. Are weird. Weird. So everyone remembers Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, yeah? One of the first big crossover events where a bunch of Marvel superheroes and villains got whisked off to the battle world by the Beyonder and were made to duke it out. Well, the thing, the Human Torch and um, the Mr. Fantastic were three of the people to get whisked away. Susan Storm wasn't because she was pregnant at the time with their second child, which she later miscarried, unfortunately. But that's neither here nor there. Um, anyway, before... Uh, they got whisked off to the battle world. Things have been on the rocks, no pun intended, between The Thing and Alicia Masters because he was worried that she only loved him as The Thing and not as a person and what kind of life could he give her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So before he went away into, this, into the battle world, there was the suggestion that they might possibly split up. Anyway, they came back, but Ben elected to stay on the battle world because he'd fallen in love with one of the natives there and could also change back into Ben Grimm at will. While he was away, Johnny Storm and Alicia Masters became very close, started bonking, fell in love, and then Ben comes back and all shit breaks loose. But then he finally reconciles with them and they get married. I, it, I, and it, Ben's the best man. I, I, but wait, uh, there's oh. more. Later on, in stories which I haven't reached yet in my read-through, but I'm aware of the existence of... Alicia Masters gets pregnant, but it's revealed that it's not Alicia Masters, but has been, in fact, for a long time, since well before her and Johnny fell in love, a Skrull. 
So I don't know exactly when the switch happens, but it's before Secret Wars. Um, Johnny's not too happy. So where's Alicia? Uh, I don't know. On the Skrull homeworld, and they've because she's blind, they've just been like really weird about it and just told her everything's fine. I and guess. Pretended she's all in the I same guess. places. And... I don't know. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what's happening in Fantastic Four at the moment. That they haven't got anywhere near that reveal yet. We've just, at oh, the moment, Reed, Reed and Sue are taking another sabbatical from the team to look after Franklin. So she Hulk. She Hulk. Ben in. No, She Hulk's already been uh, on the team. Ah, okay. Because She Hulk filled in for Ben when he stayed on the battle. Ah, uh, right. Okay. So she was on the Fantastic Four for a while. Herbie, Herbie, Herbie. Run. Herbie's been oh, and gone. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, he didn't last very long. Oh, um, He's getting a weird little resurgence, so, though, isn't he? He's been appearing in a lot uh, of the spin-off media and the merchandise and everything. Well, you know, when you can Fantastic Four, you're Fantastic Four all the way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at <laughs> Don't the point, need the no point more. I'm at at the moment, uh, Ben's taken over the team as leader okay. on the request of Reed and Sue. Johnny's still on the team, and they've rehired Crystal. Oh, yeah. Johnny's ex, From the Inhumans. who was married to Quicksilver and had a child with him, but now Quicksilver has gone fucking mental and they're sort of separated but not diverse because Crystal also slept with someone else while they were together. I, uh, huh? What? Mm-hmm. Yep, but she's back on the team, so I need they need a fourth member and I don't know who that is yet <laughs> because I haven't read that far in. I'm on issue like 305 or something. Uh, fantastic three! Who will sleep with me? Fantastic three. Everyone. Literally everyone. Well, I'm not too far away from um, the Miss Thing being introduced onto the team. Oh. The female, the thing. The lady so, trapped inside the thing costume. Yeah. Because she's on the cover of the next collection. And I'm nearing the end of this one. So she must be getting introduced pretty soon. And also the thing turning spiky. That happens soon. Oh, yeah. By the cover of the next collection. We get so gnarly yeah. looking. But I'm getting to the end of the collections. Like, there's a gap in the collections. Oh. Wow. Because um, I'm on the Epic collections now, uh, which are released out of sequence, and there's still a gap that they haven't plugged Jesus yet. Jesus Christ. So you can do a full line with Masterworks I think they did while they were writing it, Matt, to be honest. And, yeah, <laughs> I know, right? You can do a full line with Masterworks Epic collections and the John Byrne Visionaries collections yeah. through to... Um, like issue 320 or something like that. Yeah. And then there's a gap. And then the epic collections pick up a bit again. And then there's another gap. And then it's into the post-Heroes Reborn stuff, which is all collected, although some of them might be out of print. So I'll see what I can get hold of. Grab hold. Worst case worst case scenario, just go back to Marvel Unlimited because I think it's all on there, but I'm not 100% sure. Because um, some of their older series are a bit patchy. But we'll see. If not, I have ways and means. Um... But that's what's been keeping me busy. What's been keeping you busy, Chris? Sleep paralysis demons, mostly. Uh, ah. Yeah. Uh, ah, the succubus. <laughs> the sucking my bus. What? Mm. What? Uh, <clears throat> the Doctor Who Watch Longs, for one, uh, have, have sort of been a weird little kind of cornerstone. Um, <clears throat> Twitch streams, been playing more streams. So, uh, been <clears throat> streaming. <clears throat> my God, sorry. Daily, so turning into John Hat, streaming daily on um, my Twitch channel. I've been doing Overwatch. I'm about to go into another story campaign of something. I put up to a vote on Instagram, so my fate is in everyone else's hands. Um, been doing at this point one a week. We're gonna try and ramp it up to two a week on big damn stream, drunken streams. Oh Lucy yes, and I uh, your, Cled- your Cledo stream was was very much enjoyable. Although I didn't catch the last game. 
I had to dash. You had to shoot like a like like um, uh, mustard did in the courtyard yeah. with the pistol. Eden, Eden yeah. with the pistol. Why? Why is in New Cluedo? Why is everyone's names nicknames and not their actual names? It's really and why weird. are they all young, sexy entrepreneurs like and it. not like Agatha Christie characters? Characters. I don't like weird. it. I don't like it one bit. It is bit. weird, and I'm not a fan. But we can all close our eyes and imagine that they've all got handlebar mustaches, and it'll be fine. In a way, <laughs> um, even Miss Scarlet, um, <laughs> especially Miss Scarlet. Yes. Um, uh, so we're doing those. Um, we're going to be popping more and more streams uh, throughout the week on on both channels. So people, Twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream, because if it's not on, yeah. if it's not a stream on there. It'll be hosted on there. Uh, I'm going to try... If I'm not doing one tomorrow, I'll be doing one over the weekend because I'm nearing the end of Doom Eternal. Oh, baby. I'm, I'm go- I've am i reached the point of no return. Yeah. So I'm just going back and mopping up some of the collectibles on earlier levels. And then when I'm ready to finish the fight, so to speak, I'm going to I'm gonna stream the last bit of it. Well, if you do some mop-up do some mop up cash stuff, like uh, you're doing that during the daytime... Yeah, I can't stream during the daytime. Really, well, if, if you're just doing if you're just doing the mop up ones, you could just do it with um with the audio on. I think on it's, the it's mainly it's mainly a bandwidth thing. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, Keeks is working from from home. Ah, yeah, that would do. That do the that do um, the cockles. So, I can do a bit of video streaming, but I don't know if I can stream out. That might be a bit of a strain on it. I, Give I it a try. try. People it. keep your eyes on Twitch um, TV slash Big Damn Stream because yeah. if it works, it works. And then you could do if it works, then you could do mop up. So I'm gonna try well, and do I'm gonna try and do a few more. Yeah. Cash non setup streams on both the channels as well uh, from the PlayStation downstairs because every now and yes. again just uh, it's now been three weeks of me being in this this office a lot I like this office it's functional it has all the things I need in it to work but sometimes I'd like to sit on the couch in the living room and if I could do that I'd play a game and stream it from there just in the camera or the headset I'll do that too so yeah just keep an eye on those folks because we'll try we'll try yeah. and do more of them and, and if, we, if we can get them. On the run, we can. But evening stuff. Doom Eternal coming up. Um, yep. Drunken stuff with me and Lou coming up again at some point. Yep. Not sure what we're doing next time. Probably won't be under the jigsaw. Fuck me, that Cyberman jigsaw. Once I'm done oh. with Doom Eternal, I'll probably stream some Zena Blade. Ooh, with J- Jenna um, Blade. So listen out for Jenna Coleman. Um, but not Clara Oswald. Yeah. Clara. No. No. Tell me, Clara, is this a good game? Um, Am I a good game, Clara? It's a great game, Doctor. Thank you, Clara. <laughs> better than better than Clara Oswald. Um. Anyways, let's go. Yeah. Let's go and die let's... quietly, and we'll see you all next week. You lovely let's people. Let's go. Shrivel. I hope you're staying safe and staying well, and that you and yours are all well and safe and good. Uh, and if you're not, and Remember, if you're not safe and good, yeah. <laughs> don't go out if you don't fucking need yes. to. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Flatten the curve, you bastards. It's not about you getting sick. It's about who you can infect. It is also about you getting sick. And if you are on a shopping trip, you're going to get sale in places. Some places are even free. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.